Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined by my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and of course, longtime voter for one of the biggest honors, if not the biggest honor, certainly in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. And we have intrigue coming up this weekend, Brent, where your Heisman Trophy vote is concerned. Now, you're sworn to secrecy, as I understand it. That's true. Until the award is uh, handed out. So next week, we'll give you uh, a complete rundown of Brent's ballot for the 2022 Heisman Trophy. But I got to say, man, coming off of conference championship weekend, Brent, uh, for about a quarter, I guess, in Vegas last Friday night, probably looked pretty easy, maybe, who would be at the top of your ballot. Then things got a little muddled as that championship game moved along. And then you got into a performance from Stetson Bennett on Saturday. Uh, Again, not asking for specifics, but uh, of your ballots that you have cast in your time of being a Heisman Trophy voter, where does this one rank in terms of difficulty, in terms of, you know, coming up with that top three or four? It was one of the most difficult. It really was. Uh, and it was a variety of reasons. Uh, and, and, and look, we're not supposed to say anything. Uh, but I'm, and I've been very open about this. I, I thought that's been a huge mistake for us. And, and the, in the Heisman Trust, Trev, you remember the days? Uh, as a matter of fact, you and I used to do this on radio. We would talk about and talk to different people about who they voted for throughout the whole week before it was announced. It gives the awards some more attention. So I, I I don't think we do anybody any favors with that, to be honest with you. Uh, but now I will say this, too, uh, with Hinton Hooker not being invited and Bryce Young not being invited, I think both of them certainly could have been. Uh, Got to appreciate the, uh, the toughness of Max Dugan, the consistency of Stetson Bennett. C.J. Stroud has been on that list for quite a while. Now, I will, say, I will say this, and Trav, sometimes it's the little things. I've been told by more than one um, Heisman voter that they are not voting for Caleb Williams because on his fingernails he had uh, F. Utah. Uh, how, at, how, how <laughs> immature at best and just outright stupid at worst was that and it wasn't the first time this season no, he's done it the no. only reason why it got attention this time is because the karma finally came back around yeah yeah and absolutely. he ends up losing the game after he pops a hamstring yeah i mean what in the i i get it look for those folks that that was an automatic dq for i get it and not just in terms of the heisman trophy what are you thinking where the nfl down the road absolutely. is concerned absolutely you think, you think teams see that and go oh yeah that's the guy. That's sure. the face of our franchise. What in the who? It just goes to show there's no one around Caleb Williams that can tell him anything. Apparently, even no, his no. coaching staff. No, no, absolutely. Just and it's just absolutely ridiculous. And Trav, there actually is a sentence or two for all Heisman voters that that basically basically mentions a character element of this. So 
and, and if Heisman voters are questioning why they didn't vote for him, uh, they can go back and they can say that. But but look, I, I'm I'm totally with you or or Trump. If you're on that coaching staff, uh, it, it, surely they knew that. And why didn't someone say something? Yeah, he had done it for the Notre Dame game. Yeah, you know, but yeah. it was fine because you know USC won the game. Again, it's garnering a lot of attention and good on Utah. It's a official football account for the program on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> they did a little uh, editing of uh, yeah, Caleb's fingernails in the post game and uh, put back to back for the uh, Utes Pac-12 champs after that win over the Trojans. So it'll be a fascinating it uh, result uh, on Saturday uh, in New York City uh, with the four quarterbacks in you know, look, I think all those guys are deserving of recognition where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. I'm with you. I think Hendon Hooker certainly had a place in that finalist group. I think an argument could have been made for Bryce Young. If you just really peeled back the layers with mm-hmm. Bryce and looked at a lot of the stuff he dealt with through the season sure. with his injury. And look, you can kind of point the finger at him for his own injury. That was an injury mm-hmm. he could have avoided himself. Yeah. So I get that too. But in every start for Bryce Young this season, he had Alabama in the lead in the fourth quarter yeah, to, yeah, to win absolutely. games, and yeah. they were not able to do that. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I, you know, right now, looking at it, I, I, I still won't be surprised if it's uh, if it's Caleb Williams that ends up winning the thing. But uh, he helped out C.J. Stroud and yes, Max did. Duggan and, uh, and also uh, – Stetson and Stetson, oh, absolutely. You know, and Stetson was about the only winner from the weekend, right? Yeah, literally. Yeah, that's very true. So obviously, quite Stratton, well. Yeah, he yeah. did. He did. It was very tough to say the least. And look, I won't spend any time on this, but you mentioned Utah a minute ago. Travis, they absolutely dismantled USC, didn't they? Just, just pure physical. Uh, power and strength. Uh, at, uh, Trav would be safe to say by the time that fourth quarter round, that SC defense wanted nothing to do with trying to tackle those running back from Utah. Yeah, it's amazing, really. We keep talking about this era of college football and how you got to spread the field and you got to have at least three wide receivers on the field. And you look at teams right now that are in position to win conference mm-hmm. and national championships. Who are we talking about? Yeah. Georgia, two tight ends, maybe three right. at times. Michigan, yes. three tight ends a lot. I mean, Harbaugh loves some 13 mm-hmm. personnel. And look at Utah with their tight ends. Yeah, um, absolutely. Very, very good. So as much as we want to talk about wide receivers, it's almost like some programs have said, you guys go ahead and do all that. We're going to stay more within the hash marks and stay in a phone booth, but we're going to have some real playmakers at tight end too. Uh, certainly in the case of Utah and Georgia, that's the case. And we're going to get some mismatches that you can't deal with. And, and that's been very, very effective for those teams. So we talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, impressive performance in that SEC championship game win over LSU last Saturday afternoon in Atlanta, Georgia. Brent, and really it started with something that's been a bugaboo for LSU throughout the season. They've had some special teams breakdowns. When you look at at least three of their four losses this year, I can automatically think Florida State with the protection issues on field goal extra point. I can think of the Tennessee loss at home where just on the opening kickoff, they, they turn it over. 
Um, and then I can also look at, uh, I can look at last Saturday because, uh, Georgia blocks the field goal ball is live because it goes, well, it's beyond, <laughs> yes. the, even though it's beyond the line of scrimmage, right. it's still a live football. And, uh, you get the, the, the scoop and score there. And, and that was a situation going into the game. You knew LSU could not withstand is special teams. Failures are non-offensive touchdowns for Georgia with that Georgia defense. And we talked about it last week, Georgia special teams been good, really good hey, throughout the absolutely. season. And they were huge once again. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And just the consistency of Georgia uh, still without that uh, number one running back, number one wide receiver. Now, Trev, another thing I heard from some Heisman guys was if Brock Bowers had a few more numbers, uh, the, the, the question was, could he have made it to New York? I know this is we've made this, uh, unfortunately, a quarterback uh, award. But again, uh, when the, when they need a touchdown or they need to first down, where is Stetson going is to Brock Bowers, Travis, he makes the play most of the time. He does. And Lad McConkey has been very big for that offense. As we know, um, the Kenny McIntosh has done a nice job. Hasn't been as heralded yes. as the James cook and some of the backs that maybe Georgia's had in previous years, but it goes back to maturity too with this Georgia team. I mean, when you got a 25 year old quarterback, that's mm-hmm. important. And he plays like a 30 year old quarterback. And that's what Stetson Bennett, he's, you know, old beyond his years. And he's, he's not young uh, chronologically. So, uh, but Georgia just complete, right. And yes. we kind of wondered about Jane Daniels going into the game for LSU with the ankle and his health. And I don't think he was, probably right i give some credit to garrett nussmeyer coming into the game there and trying to make it interesting did some good things turned the ball over a couple times but at that point as as far down as lsu was uh i was impressed by garrett nussmeyer he was he took chances yes uh but i thought you saw him also maximize some of that talent at wide receiver with him in the game and for LSU, it's a four-loss season is what it comes down to. It's sort of a precipitous drop from uh, the college football playoff talk to New Year's Six to now, uh, I guess, a Citrus Bowl invite for LSU. Uh, but good news here in the last couple of days. A lot of transfer portal news that we're going to get to on the podcast today. Um, and LSU is going to have some of that. But, boy, they, they got a really nice announcement a few days ago with Kayshawn Booty uh, going on record that he'll return for 2023. Uh, absolutely. Now, Jack Bash, we understand, is is going to the transfer portal, but that means that Booty, Neighbors, Thomas, Hilton, and Lacey are coming back. Boy, and, and that that was a strength. And I tell you what, Trav, they they and this is something that Georgia needs to shore up in the playoffs. LSU made some hay with that passing game, did they not? Uh, Frankie with both quarterbacks for a while. Uh, and they, they really kind of remind me of what Alabama did against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Try to get a stalemate in the line of scrimmage and use your wide receivers down the field. Uh, credit Georgia for winning. But uh, that, that secondary can be susceptible to the pass. It can. And I think that's where a lot of people look at Ohio State, whether it was Ohio State or Alabama in that four spot. The sense was that could be problematic for Georgia because 
I think a lot of people looked at Georgia's pass defense from the national championship game in Indianapolis last January and thought, man, that's a that's a really good group back there. And it, it you know, Starks is coming in as a true freshman. He's been really good. I think he's had more of his struggles later in the season. Um Keely Ringo is a I think he's a solid corner. I don't know if he's the first round corner. A lot of people see him as their sub package personnel isn't really great. And that's what got them hammered by Alabama in the SEC championship game a year ago. They just weren't very good across the board on the back end. Their pass rush certainly helped make up for a lot. So that'll be interesting with Ohio State coming up in the Peach Bowl on New Year's Eve. But plenty of time to talk about that between now and then. And yeah, I mean, this is a Georgia team that just does what it does um, at this point. And so uh, the dogs look ahead to that matchup with Ohio state. Otherwise we kind of hit on it right there with Alabama coming up short of the college football playoff. Was there, was there much surprise for you in that? Or did you kind of sense that might be coming as we moved from the big 12 game, even with a loss for TCU, albeit in overtime and into Sunday. And we got ready for that announcement. Well, and they certainly had some help. Uh, with uh, the situation with Utah beating USC, that they kind of uh, at least made it a uh, possibility. Uh, I mean, I I could look. I, I I think most Alabama fans would tell you this was on a championship team, but at the same time, I mean, if you make it up to five, that shows it in the eyes of the committee that you've got a chance. And I think the committee liked Alabama. I think they were. Uh, that, that I think they mentioned that rather often uh, that, uh, that they did. Uh, so, but but still, uh, I mean, the uh, obviously with the Sugar Bowl uh, that, that's coming up, most folks really more than anything else. I, and I know you're writing about this. Is the transfer portal is very active in Alabama. Uh, the coaching situation, waiting on what's going to happen with the coordinators. And Trent, we can't forget next week. Being the a matter of fact, a week from today, being the early signing period. Uh, now a lot of stuff is in motion, but after that signing period next week, uh, I think that's when. And I'm curious if you've heard the same thing that that this coach assistant coaching carousel uh, will be going in warp drive at that point. Yeah, I think that's the date. That sort of window, Brent, that you circle there when you think about movement at the assistant level. Uh, certainly there is the potential for it between the early signing date and the bowl games for non CFP teams. And even in relation to some of the college football playoff teams, I think we're seeing some assistants that are being associated or elevated to head coaching jobs elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, just in terms of assistant coach movement, I think that's what you're going to be looking at. Uh, certainly getting these signing classes, uh, put to bed even some transfer portal stuff mm-hmm. uh, that some of these teams will be looking to to finalize uh, in the coming days. So when you look at the layout of the bowl games in relation to SEC teams, Brent, you got Alabama in a New Year's Six, you got Tennessee in a New Year's Six, uh, and then you get into the pecking order, the traditional uh, pecking order beyond the CFP and the New Year's Six. Uh, which of those games sort of stands out to you? I'll tell you one I like. I think Jacksonville came out. Oh yes, really Absolutely. nice with the Gator Bowl matchup that those folks were able to secure. 
Yeah, listen, they're elated about that with Notre Dame uh, in South Carolina. Uh, and and I'm, I'm hearing more excitement from the South Carolina people, frankly, uh, that uh, the, the way they ended the season, nice bowl game. And they're, they're a decent amount of South Carolina fans who are in the area, too. Uh, but I tell you, Trav, the other thing about the bowls, uh, and this is a difficult thing, is – uh, is what one of the world can you expect from Tennessee? I know they've got Joe Milton, but without Hendon Hooker, you've got other teams uh, such as uh, I, I know they're being a little facetious about this and joking about it, but there's some truth that you've got other SEC teams travel like Florida. Uh, they're not even sure they're going to have enough uh, enough players on their roster in order to play the game. Yeah, and that's tough because they get to go to Vegas, man. You talk about a nice <laughs> landing spot for a six and six team. Goodness, go yes. to Vegas with that new tie-in for the SEC. Really? really? Wow, uh, that's a little bit better in Shreveport, you know. Uh, yes. Used to be. You go so. from Bossier City <laughs> and the casinos there in Shreveport yes. to the yes. casinos of Vegas. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit of a step <laughs> up. Kind of tells you how far the SEC has come over the last 15 years or so as much as anything else, but no, it is, it's a major concern. And even for teams like Alabama, we've seen uh, uh, what could be described as a mass exodus. I don't think it's surprising uh, for Alabama, what we have seen. And really a lot of these teams, if you had to point to one transfer portal entrant in the league to this point, that maybe caused you to raise your eyebrows the most to this point, And it is a Wednesday, December the 7th that we record this. What, who would that be for you right now? Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, now, now I do think it's humongous that KJ Jefferson is actually coming back. What about uh, Jaheim bell? That's a big uh, one for yeah, South Carolina. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, and he was on the list of, of some of the guys that talk about that, uh, that uh, all the people looking at him, uh, boy, what a what a, look, look uh, he knows the position, he plays it incredibly well, and by the way, Austin Stokner uh, is also in the transfer portal. He wasn't anything near what uh, Janine Bell was uh, during that time either, but uh, no, I, w- I would agree with that totally. I, I, now look, I, I don't think he's a difference maker, but I will be interested to know what some of these guys like a Haynes King do, do in the portal. And uh, Trav, could a guy like that just just find a man? And listen, uh, uh, to me, it's can you find a fit uh, to where your skills really match up? What I'll give uh, you the, one the, for the Haynes King. King. I'll give you one within the division. How about Arkansas for Haynes King? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that would be a pretty good fit, maybe. It would be. Now I'm I don't sure. have any intel on that, but just matching skill set, right, with what Arkansas sure. likes to do. Now KJ Jefferson's coming back, right? Yes. At the quarterback yeah, position, yes. but he's got one year left. Yeah. Um. So if you can convince, if you could convince a Haynes King to come in for a year, and then you're the guy, and he's still got. Uh, you know, he, he's got three years left, I think, Haynes King. So yes. uh, maybe that's a fit for a guy like Haynes King. But yeah, I'll give you another one, Javion Cohen. Now, you don't see many true starters, right, hitting the portal. That, n- n- not not a ton of those guys anyway. Right, right. Javion Cohen's a two-year starter 
at offensive guard for Alabama. He has gone into the portal. Um, you know, I'm not sure Javion stays in the SEC. Maybe he does. Maybe he looks elsewhere to a Miami, somewhere like that, uh, to make his next move. But he is a guy with 25 starts over the last two seasons. But I think Jaheim Bell uh, is a guy that's going to have uh, a very, very lengthy list and Trav, of suitors, what, including uh, Alabama. I think Alabama oh, yeah. might be in that mix for Jaheim Bell. Uh, well, and listen, how about Dom Lovett, the wide receiver at Missouri? Yeah, Trav? first team All-SEC wide receiver, yeah. Uh, I think he's another guy. Absolutely. A Tennessee, uh, you know, an Alabama, uh, Georgia. Nothing, it wouldn't surprise me of any of the top programs in the SEC uh, put in a check, put in a call to uh, Dom Lovett. Listen, he will be um, regarded uh, as uh, certainly almost a uh, – uh, a surefire find. I, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you, what, <laughs> there are some guys uh, that it's just amazing to kind of see how this has worked out. Uh, would it would it be safe to say that there probably won't be a lot of SEC schools lined up to get uh, uh, JT Daniels, uh, who uh, who travel. Uh, I don't think people with the Peace Corps have gone to more places than JT Daniels is going to in his career. Yeah, JT treats the transfer portal like it's Tinder, you know, or something. <laughs> like it's a dating app. Yeah, know? yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yes. That seems to be JT's approach uh, to the transfer portal. But uh, it'll be interesting. There's always a place for a quarterback, right? And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's absolutely. interesting about JT Daniels is that he was originally in that mix with Keaton Slovis mm-hmm. at USC, and both right. those guys are back in the portal. Oh, yeah, Slovis yeah. had gone from SC to Pitt. Now I see where Slovis is in the portal from Pitt. Yes. Uh, wow. Those SC, those SC quarterbacks, uh, they come and they go, and I think there's going to be a ton of quarterback movement uh, once and, again. And I, and to, to your point a minute ago, if you're if you're a general manager of, of an NFL team, is your first question of well, now son, you going from USC, Georgia, West Virginia, now wherever? Uh, can you tell us about that? <laughs> I think JT's already kind of shown you if you're a, mm-hmm. if you're an NFL team that uh, he he might be a, a camp arm. Yeah, you know, a guy you bring in yeah, to, right. to to save the other guy's arms in mm-hmm. camp, but yes. as far as projecting JT Daniels to much more than that in the NFL right now, and who knows? I mean, we see undrafted guys make oh, yeah. moves uh, in the National Football League. If you can play, you can play. But uh, it's been a, a very uh, a very interesting path for JT Daniels from SC to Georgia to West Virginia, and now who knows where? That's right uh, for the much traveled quarterback JT Daniels. So again, when we look at this bowl lineup for the SEC, uh, it gets started quickly, right? I mean, we're talking about a week from Saturday. That's That's that Florida, Oregon state matchup out in Vegas. Yeah. uh, uh, And again, uh, if people have not heard this, Florida has had an unbelievable amount of turnover uh, as far as guys in the transfer portal. Now they will have a top five, uh, recruiting class, but we all know those kids aren't going to be ready to play uh, from frankly immediately. Uh, now look, the, the, they're lose, losing some guys like Ventrell Miller, who's out of eligibility, but then you've got an Anthony Richardson who is going to the NFL, whether he is ready or not. 
but yeah, it, who plays quarterback for Florida? I don't look. That, that's a great point. I mean, I mean, got, you got the absolutely abhorrent situation. Yes. with Kitna that has gone down here in the couple last couple weeks. So, who's next for the it, Gators? It may be somebody like Max Brown who redshirted but didn't play. Or Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State, if he's yeah. healthy, who broke his thumb uh, along that line too. Now, now the point that that should be made here, what we're seeing is a peek behind the curtain. Is there are a lot of coaches, and, and Travis and I have been doing this since the early '90s. That that you've got a lot of this attrition in roster management, we probably called it something else years ago, but a lot of this stuff that used to happen kind of behind closed doors, we're getting more of a view of uh, because of the transfer portal uh, at this point. And, and Napier has been pretty honest about this, Trav, and I think some other coaches have too, that they literally want to overturn their roster and to get their culture guys in there. That, that that That's kind of the key phrase that we're hearing from some of these coaches. No doubt about it. And uh, it, it's a big time for that because you have such a, a turnover there uh, with the transfer portal and then trying to combine this early signing date and then who are you going to add from the portal and how sure. is that going to impact your, your situation from a culture perspective? A lot to take into account, no doubt about that. So, Early bowl action for the SEC. You're going to have the Gasparilla Bowl uh, down in Tampa, Wake Forest in Missouri, uh, the Liberty Bowl, Kansas, and Arkansas. Interesting there, I guess, because Missouri essentially declined to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. Is that correct? <laughs> I believe that's right. Yeah, that was uh, uh, that was kind of odd uh, in that situation, too, and, and Trump. How about Barry Odom that you and I've talked about pretty much the entire season that my understanding is going to UNLV and you and and only you've got uh, teams that are being without players in the bowl game, but, but obviously some of their coordinators. Yeah, that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. Barry Odom to UNLV. That game is a bit of a surprise to me. I don't know. If yeah, I yes. Uh, very much. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and again, give him a lot of credit. It, it didn't work necessarily at Missouri, but as far as a coordinator, uh, I, I think he's pretty top-notch with that. And, and, and Trav, the question is, uh, I'm sure it'd be a great place to live, but it, 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 uh, will, what did Barry learn from uh, Missouri and Arkansas that he'll take with him to UNLV? Yeah, yeah, that'll be very interesting to track, no doubt about it. What about this uh, this Arkansas team right now in it? Again, we anticipated some movement with this coaching staff. We've already seen it with the defensive coordinator, obviously Odom moving on to UNLV. Uh, strength and conditioning appears to be uh, a bit in upheaval. Transfer portal um, doesn't sound like that team's taken much of a hit to this point anyway. Well, I do think they're going to make, according to the beat riders in Arkansas, they are going to make some changes. He's already fired the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but you've got two six and six teams now. Now, now this is how a six and six can go, Trav, right? Arkansas, considered by their fans a disappointment at six and six, Kansas fans would have signed a contract in blood uh, the beginning of the year to be six and six. So six and six means different things, doesn't it? 
I think it does. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So uh, we'll see how that plays out for Arkansas in bowl action. Ole Miss goes to the Texas Bowl to take on Texas Tech. Uh, Not exactly what Lane Kiffin probably had in mind a month ago, but it should be a good matchup between the Red Raiders and the Rebels out there in, uh, in Houston. Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, Luke Altmeyer is in the transfer portal, by the way. Uh, so obviously Jackson Dart uh, is going to be the guy. But again, you've got a you've got a rebel team that uh, they win another bowl game. Uh, uh, Lane now with the Auburn situation out of the way has been re-upped uh, in years and in money. Uh, and, and look, this is going to be another fascinating team, isn't it, Trav? To see. What, what they are going to do, who comes and goes in the offseason uh, as, uh, as Lane continues to grow this team. No doubt about it. Uh, where do they go from here? Uh, how is their involvement in the transfer portal uh, impacting their team looking ahead to 2023? And we talked about Notre Dame, South Carolina. I like that game, too, because it's December the 30th. It's a Friday, mm-hmm. and it's a Friday afternoon game. So, uh Lines up nicely. And you talk about South Carolina, the potential for the finish to this season. And you're able to close it out with wins over top 10 teams in Tennessee, Notre Dame, excuse me, Tennessee, Clemson, and then a win over a storied program like Notre Dame. Uh, doesn't get much better than that for the Gamecocks, who have a pretty long history playing down there in the first coast. I think this team probably is, along with uh, Florida State in the ACC, has made as much progress. And I and I'll say this: a lot of people kind of get upset with with Shane Beamer and 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 his reactions and his antics. But look, they're winning. And and Trev, what people remember is you, you remember this last year. Uh, uh, with the games that they won in November, they've had another strong November uh, that, that's coming up. And uh, if you can get your team to gel and to finish strong, uh, that, that that bodes well for their future. I, I, I look, I'm they're not going to unseat Georgia uh, in the East at this point. But, but, but Trav, is it is it fair to say going into next year? That that uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, looking at that second place behind Georgia as we look as we peek ahead just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, some buzz about that uh, looking ahead to to next season. Although Tennessee uh, certainly going to have something to say about all that. And the Vols get Clemson, Battle of Orange in the yeah. Orange Bowl on Friday, December the thirtieth. That's an eight p.m. Eastern kickoff on ESPN. Obviously, Hendon Hooker out at the quarterback position for Tennessee. Joe Milton uh, is in there. Clemson with some massive transfer portal news of its own. Although, given that DJ Ungalele was was benched in the ACC championship game, I guess it shouldn't have come as too big of a surprise to see DJ hit the portal as well. Still an opportunity for Tennessee here to do something and some things really for the season that it hasn't done in a long, long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they need to finish well too. I mean, obviously they beat Vanderbilt, but their offensive coordinator, Alex Golish, uh, going to South Florida. I thought that was interesting. Uh, at the 38 years old, uh, Tennessee led the nation in, in scoring, uh, offense and total offense during the year. So, uh, it, it certainly, 
certainly some changes for them, but but I think overall the Vols didn't go where they thought they would be, certainly after losses to South Carolina and Georgia. But you still got to say after two seasons that, that there'll be a lot of people, uh, and particularly uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers, that, that continue to look at this, uh, what Josh Heupel has done, but I still say, Trev, what I want to see with them is what we we talked about during the basically during the whole season. How much better will they be defensively next year than they are right now? No doubt about that. There'll be uh, something to keep an eye on for them as they continue to try to grow under Josh Heupel. Uh, certainly, the defensive side failed them uh, on multiple occasions. And so we talked about Alabama earlier in the podcast in relation to the college football playoff and the Crimson Tide for just the second time in CFP history coming up short of an invite to the big tournament. But Alabama instead gets a K-State team, Brent. I don't know if you want to see this team in a bowl game because it's a veteran team. It's a mature team. It's not a team that projects to have a lot of opt-outs. And it's a team that's very secure in its identity, which starts with, running the football and stopping the run. Uh, well, and Travis, so there's a toughness about this K-State team too, is it not? Uh, their new starting quarterback, Will Howard, uh, is played real well. Uh, look, to me, Trav, the guy that Alabama's going to stop is this Deuce Vaughn, uh, who has really played well. Uh, Kansas State, one of the better offensive teams, but you're right about that. Uh, and, and again, the old question is going to be how motivated is Bama going to be uh, to play the game? What's the coordinator situation going to be? And, and again, Alabama's like a lot of teams right now. Going, going into bowl games is that, that they could be ready to play and want to make a statement, or uh, the opposite could be said for Kansas State, and that's what they could do. Yeah, and who's available? Yeah, absolutely. With Bryce Young, Will Anderson, guys like that, with the NFL draft coming up right. at the time that we record this, uh, we don't know about some of those situations. So certainly some things to keep an eye on as the Crimson Tide moves through finals week and gets ready to start preparation for the Sugar Bowl. That is an early kickoff it on is, New Year's it? Eve. 11 a.m., it's going to precede the two semifinal games. Uh on that semifinal Saturday, New Year's Eve, December the 31st, Music City Bowl, Iowa and Kentucky. Wow. First to 10, maybe wins that game between the Hawkeyes <laughs> and the Wildcats. Two teams not known for prolific maybe. offenses, I would say. Yeah. 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 I think that would be a, a great point. Uh, now, again, I mean, to me, and uh, in, in some of this we still just don't know. Is I mean, will will Chris Rodriguez play? Will Will Levis play? I know the NFL is involved with those guys, and I get that. Uh, some of the other guys for Kentucky, Rashawn Lewis, their wide receiver, has entered the transfer portal. Mike Drennan, their running back, has uh, had done the same. So uh, look, you hit it. Uh, it's a uh, and particularly for teams like this uh, in that offensive line. Regardless who plays quarterback, that they have struggled there the entire year. Not a not a great year for Mark Stoops, but again, uh, he has re-upped, got an extension. I, I think he certainly deserves it. But there'll be a lot of rebuilding in the offseason in Lexington, won't it, Travis? Yeah, there will. 
No doubt about that. You got the college football playoff semifinal involving the lone SEC participant on New Year's Eve night, the nightcap, as a matter of fact. Ohio State and Georgia kind of saw that coming. When the four were announced, you figured that Michigan TCU would be the early game, and this would be the game that takes us into 2023 with the Buckeyes and the Dogs. I think this will be Georgia's ninth game in the state of Georgia this season. Is that correct? Yes, correct. It's amazing. Lord. (laughs) I went to Mississippi State, went to Kentucky, and played what? Florida? Yeah. In Jacksonville. That's right. And that's... uh, that's pretty much been it uh, yes. for the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, I'll say this uh, about Georgia. Uh, again, as we mentioned, uh, they're very consistent. They're uh, they're proficient in all phases of the game. But I do think, Trav, that a concern for Georgia going into the bowl game uh, in the playoffs is, is – uh, do they, can they get touchdowns in the red zone instead of field goals? Uh, yeah, and so that was absolutely. a big concern for them. Yes. Yeah, and we talked about you know love the kicker uh, Podolesny for Georgia, and he's you know a first team All SEC kind of guy, and uh, he did have one go off the upright against LSU last Saturday in Atlanta. But uh, Georgia, pretty complete team. I I think Georgia's been. I guess you could say rewarded with the tougher matchup in the semifinal. Yeah, really. Uh, than say George, <laughs> than what Michigan is going to encounter mm-hmm. with TCU. Although I think for the sake of competitiveness, the committee got us two games that could at least get into the fourth quarter. Sure, absolutely. You know, because I, I don't think Georgia TCU gets close to the fourth quarter. No, no. Um, I think Georgia Ohio State because of what we talked about that Ohio State passing game has a chance mississippi state and illinois this used to be the outback bowl right the rely quest bowl and that yeah. down in tampa yeah uh, mississippi state and um brent bielema yeah getting back into some <laughs> sec western division action with the fighting illini well interesting to hear about uh mississippi state we've talked about all the losses now obviously the biggest loss uh, one of travis and i favorite players emmanuel forbes is going to the NFL, um, uh, very possibly the best defensive back in the league. Uh, but they also got some good news, Trav. They've got five guys coming back, and Nathaniel Watson at linebacker, Nathan Pickering at defensive tackle, Jason Crumdy at defensive tackle, and Jordan Davis uh, at defensive end, and, and Cameron Jones at offensive tackle. So that that, that certainly helps them. Uh, along the way too. Now, this certainly won't surprise you because you've mentioned this the entire year, and this is pretty fascinating to me. Uh, Woody Marks uh, is already second in Mississippi State history with 188 career receptions. Is 12 away from the school record, and the other running back, Dylan Johnson, is fourth with 149 and Travis have a chance to end their career as number one and number two in receptions. Uh, look, if you're running back, uh, and, and you like to catch the ball, don't you look at Mississippi state pretty strong? <laughs> yeah. And that's why you also see Mississippi state wide receivers hitting the portal. Yeah. Each absolutely. of the last couple of years <laughs> under Mike Leach, which you would think would not be the case. This is the air raid. 
right? Yes. But you yes. actually see some of state's top receivers each of the last couple of seasons mm-hmm. uh, head to the portal. And anywhere Leach has been, the running backs are just hyper-involved in the yes. passing game. So when we talk about touches for Mississippi State or Mike Leach backs, that's what we're referring to. It isn't all about rush attempts because they get them the ball is basically yep, an extension do. of the run game by incorporating that short passing game with the running backs. And we'll also talk as we get out of here, LSU and Purdue. That is your Citrus Bowl matchup. Uh, that is a Monday, January the 2nd game. That's a one Eastern kickoff on ABC. Right. Also, the ReliaQuest Bowl, also January the 2nd. Uh, early kickoff, noon Eastern, ESPN2. So, uh, you know, for LSU, for everything this team has accomplished, really don't want to end the season as a five-loss team no. because no. then it becomes a situation kind of like Texas A&M last year. We beat Alabama, but otherwise we didn't really achieve all of our goals. Understanding this team did play in the SEC championship game, but uh, to lose three in a row to close out the season – to me, anyway, that that doesn't signal a trend in the in the right direction, or just totally in the right direction under Brian Kelly. I think this program definitely is headed in the right direction, but uh, there's not that momentum build to come off that finish. No, there isn't, and they've got to be careful in this game. This Purdue team gave Michigan some real issues, and then Michigan was able to pull away. Uh, Travis, I'm sure I'm curious how much that you like Aiden O'Connell, but, but he has certainly made his mark now, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions is not great touchdown interception ratio. But, uh, when this guy is hot, he is something to, uh, to have to deal with. So that, that could make it a very interesting game for LSU. Really could. And so there you go. A rundown of the SCC slate for the upcoming bowl season. Of course, in the coming weeks, we will review and preview as we move through that schedule. But until then, always a lot of fun with Brent Beard. Always a lot of great insight from Brent. And Brent, we look forward to doing it again real soon. Me too, bud. Have a great week. We'll look forward to next time. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics. That league, of course, the Southeastern Conference. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we certainly hope you'll do so. Simple as a click or two. And if you leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent, Travis, thanks again. And until next time, so long, 